we're happy to see. You're on. Who, is uh, I'm on. Is, Everybody's uh, no? on. We're recording. Okay, go. Okay. No, let me know if you would like me to do it, or you you can. Do you can it. Yeah, you can go ahead and do it. I, mean, I I don't think it's good to have the American flag behind me today, so I'm gonna just go ahead. Yeah, I'm not taking any chances. Go ahead. Okay, this is live from the table, the official podcast of New York's world famous Comedy Cellar, coming at you on Sirius XM 99. Raw Dog, and on the Ridecast Podcast Network, this is Dan Natterman. With me, the owner of the world-famous comedy cellar, Mr. Noam Dorman, coming That's to us from his estate in Westchester County. And boy, what a show what did we have today. It's going to be a hot one, folks. So uh, buckle up. We have Seton Smith, comedy cellar comedian Seton Smith. Mike Kaplan, he's a regular on this show, bringing a more liberal point of view, typically, and frequently crashing, crossing swords with Noam. Our producer, Perry L. Ashenbrand, and uh, Coleman Hughes, who has been, uh, I guess, uh, described as a public intellectual. And he recently was hired by um, the Manhattan Institute to write for City Journal, which is their commentary on urban policy, politics, and culture. And congratulations, by the way, Coleman recently graduated from Columbia, class of 2020. The, the cursed class of 2020. Congratulations and welcome, <coughs> Coleman Hughes. Obviously, we're going to talk today about what the entire world is talking about, of course, the, uh, the uh, terrible tragedy in Minneapolis. No, why don't you start things off for us and get us rolling? Well, I, I mean, I don't know how to start it. I, I, um, and, and by the way, don't, we don't have to limit it to Minneapolis is all sorts of, um, you know, that's the worst of them all. But there's a bunch of things that have happened in the last couple of weeks between Arbery and, and uh, the woman in Central Park. And maybe they're related. I, I mean. In the, in the same conversation. I mean, we've had some conversations with um, on this show and on the Comedy Cellar podcast. And, and it, it, it was very difficult for me. It kind of reminded me of the time I was hanging out with Stephen Calabria. You guys know Stephen Calabria? Most of you know Stephen Calabria. And I was complaining about my wife. And I, and I really, you know, I was complaining about her. And he says to me, I know, she really is like that. I'm like, motherfucker, that's my wife. Like, you can't <laughs> talk about it that way. You know? <laughs> and, and that's kind of the... The situations like there are certain there's certain um, things that just can't come out of a white mouth right now, for the most part. Even questions, you know, not, not I mean advocating something horrible. I mean just to question things um, without being received emotionally as just, you shouldn't be. It is really hard to be white today. And, uh, you know, so always hard to write. I just say, so yesterday I was having this conversation with Will Sylvance and Artie Fuqua. Now you have to know that Will Sylvance and Artie Fuqua are like two of the most integral people in the Comedy Cellar. These are deep, deep members of the Comedy Cellar family and history. They've been extremely generous with the club over the years. Continue to be. They're they're responsible. You know for contributing to the success of the club, even the roof over my head. And yet, when we were speaking, I realized, you know, that, that um, there was, it was, a, it was a tough situation. I had to choose between um, challenging on certain things that I just didn't agree with, right or wrong, and challenging, and then imagining him then withdraw and say, oh, he's just another white guy, just like, just like all the others, or, kind of like nodding my head and, and pretending that I'm in full agreement and sacrificing actual, the, the sincere intimacy of the friendship, which 
can, you know, is, is a real cost of that, even if nobody ever discusses it. Because when you really are a friend with somebody, um, you don't feel like you have to pretend about something important and, and can, you know, live a whole um, life where you, where you tell them things that you know they expect to hear from you but it's not really how you feel. And that's, that's a cancer on a friendship. So I found that unpleasant. And I opted to be honest because I think in the long run, that's um, way, way the better, the better way to be. And I think the friendship, I think as the dust settles, people remember that and they forgive you. That, that's been my experience uh, uh, in, in things that I've had. So anyway, having said that as a preface, um, you can take this conversation any, anywhere we want. I, um, Seton. Yes, sir. So I don't know, what, what, what is your whole take on all this how does it make you feel i emailed you earlier in the week and i yeah man and i asked you and you said i asked you you know i said you must be very very angry and um, that's not just because your your email address is uh, what is it um <laughs> greatness in black greatness in black um, yeah I started at 17 i just never let it go and and um, you said and you said something to me and i and i was surprised and i i you know like i was talking about before i, I presume you're being honest that you said it was more important to you that justice was done, that, it would, that would make you more angry, that the incident itself didn't make you as angry. So I don't know if you've changed your oh, mind. Oh, yeah, I got a lot of layers on the whole conversation. Well, go ahead. Um, go ahead. I'm gonna try the first one. First one is the shock of the video. The shock of the video is a legitimate like, scare, like, oh, that's horrific. I think we all agree on how horrific it is. And then the second thing is, uh, I completely agree with the riots. I'm actually, I'm annoyed with people who say we shouldn't riot. I'm just like, well, fuck it. What, what should we wait to a college championship game before we riot? Fuck you. Let's riot. Define um, riot. Define riot. Does riot? I would go with social just... unrest that uh, that uh, lets go of a certain amount of frustration. Does define riot mean burning down the? Yes. The, the that needs to be happening. Burn down as much as the white kids do at the college coach. They burn down the equal amount. We can do that. Fine. So, uh, yes. so wait, so, so, on, so let's say it spread to New York and they burn down the olive tree. You would look at me and say, that's, that's okay. It's cool, Noam. <laughs> if, if our rioting had the ability to burn down the entire country, then I think race relations would be completely different in the first place. So I don't even think that's a valid parallel. Why? I, I, I could own the business. On, I, I could own any one of those businesses. That I'm not saying that, no, that's not my point. My point is if we had the ability to riot and the riots went from all the way from there, all the way here across the country, then that's a whole, our comp, we wouldn't be having this conversation. A conversation would be completely different because that would be, we as, we as black people would have a lot more power than we do right now. Okay, that's my second point. Third point is this, and this is all, I think in the conversation that what you wish related to, I think what's not being factored in is, and this is an analogy, I don't know if anybody wants to agree with this. Let's take out race, let's take out black people for a second. If you, if you send a soldier over to Iraq and he goes through some shit, comes back here, um, we take the time to train them to be a soldier, but we never take the time to train them to actually deprogram them from the, to trauma. You took all this time to train us to be slaves. Then you just said, let us both for free and go, all right, be free now. But there's no social, psychological structure to take away from the trauma. And therefore, generation after generation, people have trigger points to these traumas. And we all in this group has had to take psychology before. We all know what triggers and associations are. And it's clearly what's going on right here. But to say, uh, I don't know, white person of value, crazy, well, yes, we are crazy because of these triggers here that needs to be addressed. And so, yes, I don't think that the riot's gonna help with progress. I think the progress has already been happening with Obama years where the FBI is actually, they have a system now where the FBI goes in and changes these things and actually puts them under investigation. So I don't, I think, but I think emotionally speaking, hey man, I've been fucked up by cops before too. I understand the anger, <laughs> that's crazy. 
Can I just say, uh, Noam uh, mentioned before, uh, honesty versus, uh, you know, saying what you want to hear. Yeah, but I didn't really mean it. I didn't mean it, Steve. What the fuck's the matter with you? I'm saying, yeah, Christine, are you ready for Noam's complete honesty? Oh, yeah, I mean, I think I already can guess it. I've already been on the show a couple times. Oh, no, no, no. I'm never with an issue this sensitive, I don't think. Oh, no. they're always this sensitive to me. I, I, I always believe my life is mine, so... I don't have any outlandish positions on this, by the way. I mean, I, I hope I, did, I you know, I, I might have um, made it seem like I'm, I have a worse position than I do. But I mean, my positions will come out, I think, as they come up. So, Coleman, ha, ha, you want to respond to that, or you, what you're, what you're for, or take it any way you want? Coleman, oh, can we hear him? Yeah. Can you hear me? Oh, no, yeah. not well, Coleman. Get off you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I hear you now. That's good. Yes. Okay, so. What, what's happening now is, is in many ways similar to what happened in 2014 in Ferguson. A black man was killed um, and there was riots as a result. And I went to Ferguson about a year ago um, because there's some folks who've been making a, a documentary about it for several years. And they took me around and they showed me every, every business, many of them black owned, that used to exist uh, on the street just around the corner from where Mike Brown was killed. And to this day, most of them are abandoned buildings. And that's the thing I think people don't realize about riots is that it's in, in the heady uh, passion of the moment, it's perfectly understandable to, um, to try to just understand the rage rather than to condemn it. I totally understand that instinct, but at the same time, Five years from now, when those businesses still haven't returned, where there's you know, fewer employment opportunities in that neighborhood as a result, and it's not you or I living in that neighborhood, we're not the kids growing up in the circumstance where like two out of three buildings are abandoned, uh, you know, that, that's the long-term consequence of the riots that almost nobody talks about when the riots are happening cities don't just bounce back from this and it's not us that have to live with the consequences. And so I think people, people, people want to support the riots because they, they understand the anger of, of, of watching this, this cop murder this black dude. And I understand that anger, but I don't think you should conflate the anger with the support of the riots themselves. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to say that, um, it's funny because I had emailed Coleman about this writing thing and I, and I, I, I had um, foreshadowed exactly this conversation because I'd had this conversation before where somebody, a friend of mine, this was during Ferguson, uh, said, I said, well, what if I burned down the olive tree? And she said, yeah, well, you know, and, and I was like, holy shit, you know, but, you know, think about what you're saying. First of all, yet another, um, you know, Israeli bar mitzvah is blown up by a Palestinian terrorist. Some, so some Israelis go and they burn down some Palestinian neighborhood. Um, none of us would think that was an appropriate reaction because there is a, I mean, Coleman is making the practical case against riots and that's legit, but there is, there is something, if we're going to say that it's okay to punish innocent people for things they had nothing to do with, couldn't have prevented, and might have been, might have worked even against. Then we should really figure that out. How, how you're going to do that arithmetic? Because 
that upends everything I thought I knew about morality. I mean, that upends the argument against terrorism. That upends everything about two wrongs don't make a right. What you're saying is that if some, if if these people do something outrageous, I can turn my anger at any innocent person and just take away everything they have. No, can I say something? Yeah, yeah, I gotta say something. I, don't think you, I, don't, I actually don't think you believe that. Go ahead, go ahead, Dan. No, 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 that, that's I think a a let, warm. Oh, that you know, if you think of it in terms of a war, as some people might, then uh, then the ends justify the means. Just like you might agree with the Hiroshima no, even, bombing. Even in war, that's not allowed. But, even in war, that's not but allowed. But think of the morality of the Hiroshima bombing. Yeah, but well, most many people think that was wrong. But but war, you are not allowed to target civilians in a war. But but go ahead, Seaton. Okay, here's my point. Um, I don't listen. I didn't say I agree with the riots. I said I understand where they're coming from. When you when you put a bunch of negative energy to a situation, a bunch of negative energy is going to bounce back. And that being said, I'm gonna go on a bigger level. I personally don't agree that the police should exist in the way it does. I don't believe in our justice system. And when I say our, ju I don't believe in justice. I think the term justice is a dark part of somebody of the human mind that's all about revenge and revenge begets more revenge begets more revenge every time i see somebody that gets justice they get horrible things happen for them they become more of a criminal their family gets more messed up and the economy gets more messed up i don't believe in the prison system plus the prison system was created after slavery so we have the biggest we have the biggest slavery system in the world before and now we have the biggest prison system in the world which is also no coincidence so i don't believe in the prison i don't believe in justice but if you're going to go around shooting black people, they're going to act out and go crazy too, just like every other group of people. I mean, one more thing I gotta say, have you noticed that our police force policy is similar to all our uh, international policies? They go and they uh, 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 go into a country and they take over and then they kill people and then they just uh, stay there for a while and anybody who acts up against a new regime, to, I mean, it's just, I mean, our ghetto policy and our Afghan policy is the same and I'm done now. <laughs> so let's, let's get Mike Kaplan. Now Mike is like a, a woke, white guy and, and and if he's like most woke white guys i know he's read about black people in books so what if, what do you want to say mike <laughs> noam thank you for that introduction i think wow. you have been very fair and measured fair and balanced i might even say uh when you said at the beginning how difficult it is to be able to say what you want to to your black friends for fear that they might judge you based on what you are saying that made me initially think of how I, I imagine it is for black people to perhaps interact with, let's say, the police in situations <laughs> where they are treated unfairly and they are afraid to say what they believe is true and fair and kind and just and right for fear that the police might misunderstand their intentions and the police might not want to be friends with them the way your friends might not want to be friends with you. And I think the stakes are equivalent. So I would say, I, I think there's a lot of, so to speak, black and white thinking that humanity engages in on issues like this. Whereas it's not that you, when Seton says, I understand why people riot, I understand why there is anger. We can all understand why there is anger. We can also, all reasonable people, when in a, 
in safety, in a reasonable place. I think most people that we know and care about, regardless of your political beliefs, would say, I would prefer there to be fewer buildings burned down, fewer people harmed, fewer innocent people harmed, of course. And so what is the, the cause? What is the root? Why did people start rioting in this situation? Because how do we get to the root of the problem, which in this case was a man murdering another man, which is a thing that has happened like this and has roots going back so far as, you know, 1619, the origins of our country. And I know you might be saying, well, okay, but where are we now? How do we move forward from here now? But you're starting in the middle. You're starting in the middle by saying like, what if they burn down my building? Well, then let's try to make it so that there aren't as many people doing things that make people be so angry. Wait, it's not a on. measured I, decision to burn down a building. Hold on. I'm not starting in the middle. I, I'm starting from the, um, this, let's start from the historical reality that uh, the civil rights movement made tremendous strides uh, in the face of much, much, much more regular and equally horrible day, daily um, abuse and hatred without, <laughs> without violence. So that there was nothing more powerful ever than nonviolent protest. So I'm not trying to relegate anybody to um, hopeless and futile gestures. I, I, can, I, can I jump in real quick? Uh, just a quick Martin yeah. Luther King quote. He said that a riot is the language of the unheard. Please continue. He, he may have said that. But yeah, yeah, but okay. He said, that, he said that in the one, one time in 67, but there, there's literally 10 years of him giving the same speech about why nonviolence is the way to go. So I think oh, that's cherry picking. For sure. Yeah. And so, so I, I'm not trying to say that anybody, th th that they, they shouldn't, I'm, I'm not trying to force them to say, well, I'm going to give you this option and I know it's not really going to, it, it really won't work. I, I guess what I'm saying to you, Noam, is when you're saying like, what if people burn down this, people should stop burning things down, they shouldn't be violent. I think a more important place to start is the cops shouldn't be violent. That is no, important no. to say. I, we, could, mm. we could start there. Let's start with the cops. So, uh, so I, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I think you're using like a rhetorical device there, the more important part. I'm not, it's not either or. I'm not, I'm not trying to talk about one and not the other. Um, no, I think it's more important that the powerful shouldn't be violent because they can do more damage. Seton brought oh. up the riots. So that's why we talk about the riots. I didn't, I didn't say let's start with the riots. That's not fair to me. That's not, I, we can start with the we're not. I don't think we're attacking you. I think, you know, think y'all are having a great fight. I, I want y'all to continue fighting, but I don't want you to feel attacked. Let's just say in the course of this podcast, we, we have to talk about both issues and give them both lots of time, regardless of the order. It's not to say one is more important than the other, but let's just decide on one for now. Yeah, so, so, so okay, so let's, let's finish up with the rise. I mean, Mike, I don't know, did anybody in your family own businesses? What, are the, what, are, what, are your, what kind of family do you come from? My parents, uh, mo most of my family has been teachers. My grandmother was a nurse and my parents and my grandfather and grandmother were teachers. Well, do they have houses? Yes, my, my I grew up so in a- in a house. So let's say, you know, let's say they come in a riot and they burn down your house. Um, I, I can't believe that there's a large constituency of people out there that think this is okay. I, I you know, and, and it's not only is it counterproductive to the neighborhood, it loses, you, as soon as you, as, as soon as you advocate that, you, you lose 30% of the people who were with you. Like, okay, but you know what? I'm, I got, I got to, I'll see you when you get back. Because if you're talking about, 
you know, ruining, burning down people's businesses now, you've lost me. I'm not, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite with you anymore. No, I, I think that nobody here is advocating burning down businesses. I, I am for okay. nonviolence. I don't want any businesses burned down. I think what Seton said and what I yeah. also agree with is we understand where the anger comes from that yes. leads to that. We all, I, here's I, here's, here's uh, the thing ahead. though, I, I, I understand I understand all of it. Like I understand the anger of the protesters, uh, well, rioters, I should say in this case. I, but I, I also under, you know, I saw I saw a woman on the news, um, who who lives in Minneapolis. She seemed like fifty or sixty year old black woman who lived in a, a building that for for mostly disabled people it seemed, and she she was crying for two minutes about how the riot, how the rioters were destroying the only shops that that were close enough for her to get to in her position. She, this woman is in tears, right? I also understand her side of it too. And it's, it's worth noting that like, what percentage of the residents of, of this place are actually rioting? It's gotta be in the single digits, right? So the other- a lot of out of town has been arrested. You're right, a lot of out of town has been arrested for these things. So that's what the mayor said. And, and that's happened at a lot of riots. I'm told by the people making the Ferguson documentary that a lot of folks came in not from Ferguson and then and had their fun and then left. But it also seems like I saw some conflicting evidence that a lot of folks were actually from Minneapolis. So I'm not sure what to believe about that now. I think we just got to wait, wait for the full thing. But I think, that's, that's, the point I I think that's harping on this riot and calling it like the worst thing in the world is definitely a distraction from the main point. I mean, there's a bigger point here that's going on that this riot is going to be forgotten. I mean, yes, there's been a bunch of riots. Let's go, hey, there's going to be a bunch more riots. And they're all going to come from a real legitimate reason. I'm, maybe I'm the only person that's from inside his house bus. No, no. My for no Wait reason. a minute. But this is like a psychological thing that they're, if they don't address, it's going to keep happening. So to blame the victims is in going on in circles. Only, listen, I'm not actually mad at you, Coleman. It's just uh, <laughs> uh, Noam sent me a link earlier of John McWhorter saying the same argument. And I'm annoyed more with John than I am with you. Uh, but I do think that it's missing the point. Like, it's just blaming black people. And, and also, just again, White kids riot every fucking season. Every month they burn the car. Why is this a sports center like highlight? Why is this a bad thing? Lean forward because when you lean back, we lose your audio. Oh, my bad. (laughs) Okay. I I think I agree with you that the best way to prevent the riots are by fixing the systemic problems with the police. Right. That's the right. that's the most likely place where we're going to prevent a riot. Once a black person gets killed, uh, murdered, it's too late. and that video gets out, there's very little that one can do at that point if people want to riot. Unless you happen to be from the community, you're respected. Uh, you know, like Killer Mike gave the speech in Atlanta. People like that potentially can can calm a riot. Um, and I saw a video about how you know. James Brown may have prevented a riot when Martin, Dr. King died in Boston. But like a couple people have the clout and standing to do that. But for the rest of us, you just, you know, we're, we're it doesn't matter how much I condemn it. You know, it's not going to matter. Um, but, you, you know, we could also say that about, there's not that much any of us can do about any of this individually. But the, the, the point that um, uh, I was, I was getting to a point that I, all right, so yeah. it's locked down. We do this shit. The best way to stop um, the riot is to. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. Stuff. All right. What, what I'm saying is the riots are a huge, huge, huge problem that people don't. If you care about unemployment, all, all of the issues that people care about 
in terms of inequality, unemployment, like abandoned buildings, cycles of poverty, like the, the, the effect that a single riot has on this in, in, a, in a city can last for decades. And no one is out there 10 years from now when- But, like, is, this, but I, is this one that bad? Is this one that bad? I mean, listen, I know what you're saying. Bad I, I live in I mean, DC, the, the 68 riots didn't even get cleaned up until 2002. I remember seeing that shit. That is so, what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. And who suffers? But is this one that bad? The people but in is the this community. one that bad? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it could no, be. back up uh, because we can hear your audio. <laughs> That's one, Mike. <laughs> I want to say one. Other. <laughs> Mike <laughs> one, nothing. There's about 100 people who get killed unarmed by the cops every year. And last year, Last year was a little under 100, and nine of them were black. Um, 19 of them were white. And if you adjust for population, you find that a black person is somewhat more likely to suffer that fate than a white person is. But overall, the numbers are very low. Every single one of them is a tragedy. May Sorry? I question those numbers? May I question those numbers? Only because if you look at all the videos where cops say one story, and the video tends to always re like say there's another story, so, like, for example, the South Carolina dude. Remember that dude who got shot eight times in the back and then the cop shot him and then he dropped the gun right next to him and said, dude, you yeah, had to shoot him because he was armed. So, like, that, that is only scary. That, only because that exists and that has happened a lot that the statistic thing bothers me. Here's another thing that bothers me about the statistics is that they say more black people create more crimes. That's where more cops are there. But the fact that more laws are created geared towards black people seems to also be forgotten a lot. I hate that phrase, but it always is forgotten. For example, um, um, guns aren't allowed in cities. That's what that started with black people in the 60s. Uh, crack versus cocaine. Crack and cocaine are literally the same thing. You got, you got that whole popular drug. The war on drugs in general, which replaced the Jim Crow laws. These are all laws that are specifically and gained and compounded to get black people. And then, you know, you can put a gun on them and plant them and shoot them. So, um, I mean, I'm sure we all know all this stuff right now, oh, but see, I don't believe those statistics. It's scary. Go ahead. Let, so let me share you know, some of the statistics that I've seen because this is kind of where I, I get into trouble, which is that, you we're know- not, I, We're not here to play it safe, Noam. So go ahead. It, get in trouble, that, tell me your point. No, no, it, it's because I, I don't want to work from faulty statistics, but we, all, we do all want data. It's like, it reminds me of like comparing cops to like, I don't I, you know, you can't, it's going to come out wrong. Can I compare the cops? The thing that comes to my mind is, it's like when you read about pit bulls being dangerous and you don't, uh, and, and I, to this day I don't look, are they really more dangerous or is it just because we focus on pit bulls and then the stories of the pit bulls hit the, hit the news all the time. And so you want the data, just like with COVID we want the data. And unfortunately the data, now this data could be wrong, but this is the data that's available to me. And if there's other data, I really want to see it. I've asked Perriel to find it, whatever, and she sends me, you know, poetry, but anyway. Um, Excuse NPR. me. NPR. Okay, come on. NPR. Wait, tell me what um, it is. No, tell me. Can you see it? No, just tell I me what the study is. Oh, NPR. New study says white police officers are not more likely to shoot minority suspects. That was an NPR. And then a couple years ago, there was an um, article in um, the, the uh, Sunday Times by a black uh, uh, guy from Harvard, who I, who I recall from the article, said it was the most surprising finding in his career which found that although uh, police are much more likely, and you can see it here, if you can see it, to 
to use hands with black people, 17% more likely push into a wall, 18% more likely use pepper spray, 25% more likely, although it was only, it was, you know, five cases as opposed to four, but we're less likely to shoot black people than white people. So these, these are the, the stats that are out there and it's very Wait, difficult. I, question? I gotta ask, if, I didn't get yeah. to see that follow-up. Was that question that the article stated that black police are less likely to shoot black people or they have shot less black people? What was that? Coleman, you can answer. Coleman more familiar uh, with the, 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 Roland Fryer, he looked, he looked at a huge database of police shootings. I think, what was it national or was it just in city of Houston? And he tried to try to compare like compare apples to apples in every case and see how likely the cops are to shoot a black suspect versus a white suspect in the same scenario using the whole aggregate data. He found that black cops were more likely to put their hands on a black suspect, rough him up, but less likely to actually pull a trigger. And that was the result he called the most surprising in his, his career. Um, no, I got to look more yeah. into that. I'm very curious. I'm, uh, I'm curious. You, I want to know if, if it is Houston or if it's national. And I also want to know, again, about what exactly stats are writing down. Because, again, the cops have been proven to put plant guns on motherfuckers, like, the entire time as a policy. So I don't, I can't agree with their words because everything, they not everything, but most of what they're doing is showing that they, and here's the thing, too, none of them, well, I'm glad the cops are finally coming out and apologize. But, like, I mean, this, 90% of this whole thing is relationship and also it's that whole justice system thing. So, I don't know. Can I, um. I, I, I also don't think this answers my question about the fake the, uh, compounding of laws that are addressed towards black people. That actually doesn't apply to that at all, but go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to offer like the, the part of them being more likely to use force is also, you know, a, a large problem that like in the past day, like with some of the videos that I've been seeing, like where police are just like shoving like hard people like out of their way like small people w women uh, all genders of people like this is a i mean it seems like the way that like when we were talking about the way that soldiers are trained the way that the police are trained or aren't trained like what goes into becoming a police officer what goes what is in a person who wants to be a police officer why do they want to be and what are their thoughts about like protecting and serving the community like a mile from my house you know at the barclays center last night there we i heard sirens all night there were i mean it's the videos coming out of it it's it's horrifying that like of the people who are i don't know i don't know what happened before but there every video that i've seen where somebody's like i just like a cop said get out of the way and then immediately like shoved people and they hit their heads they're in the hospital they're like it doesn't it's 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 mind-boggling like what is what is happening in the police yeah back to my, your whole let, pit let bull me, analogy let me pull one more thing. That's, that's what they are they're pit bulls my, my, who aren't managed well go ahead no <laughs> hold on let me let me let me read one more thing into the record and then uh, says so this was in new york magazine uh it, it was referencing the uh, washington washington post study on this stuff um this was um during the time that Kaepernick was dealing, he says, the Post has indeed found that there's a strikingly consistent number of fatal police shootings each year, close to 1,000 people of all races. But that figure includes the armed and the unarmed. Fatal police shootings of the unarmed, the issue Kaepernick and Reed cite, are far fewer. In the first six months of this year, for example, I, I suppose that was 2018, the Post found a total of 27 fatal shootings of unarmed people, 
of which black men can constituted seven. Uh, there are 22 million black men in America. If an African-American is not armed, the chance that he'll be killed by the police in any recent year is 0.00006%. If a black man is carrying a weapon, the chance is 0.00075, which is, which is too many, but it seems to me important to get the scale of this right. Our perceptions are not reality. Now this is where, and this is, comes to the thing, like I'm not saying the perceptions are not reality, but perceptions can be, I mean, I don't even know that, what, what the perception is. The, the, between a perfect situation, a slight problem, a, a, a medium problem, and the problem we seem to think we have, the truth could be anywhere in that range. And I think that if you, if, at, right now, if you want to go on record and say out loud, are we sure it's quite as bad as we think it is? Even to say that is not to say that it's not, there's not a problem can get you in trouble. And there's a, so Coleman sent me, he was doing some research on this and I can play it. I played it yesterday. There's an, almost an identical incident. It's on video and I can show it right here of a white guy who is, I mean, it's, it's identical. Get is, is he's held underneath a, pol a policeman by his knee on his neck, I think, or on his head, and he dies in Dallas. Never even was in the news. It never. I mean, it, but there's a lot of black murders that are not in the news either. So that's that's actually I don't not, know not that's a good cops. example not, of why a battle of like specificity. Oh wait, I'm sorry. I'm gonna say. Go ahead. Well, I guess what we're saying. I mean, so so just to to be clear, what what I've always felt, and it, it bears out my my experience in life. And it, and it makes sense to me is the following, that um, the cops treat black people like shit. And that um, the sadistic cop uh, has an easy time of it. He, you, you arrest the guy, he's in the back of the police car, you kick the shit out of him, and when he comes out, you say he was resisting arrest. And, I, and I've seen with my own eyes black friends of mine literally be picked out by the cops and assume, the cop assumed that they were the guy um, who the police had been called about and just have them right up against the car. And I had to say, no, 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 that's, it's, it's that. So I, so I, and I've seen this and I believe it and it makes common sense to me. What I've never been sold on is that the cop who shoots somebody in front of everybody with the cameras rolling and with, with, with is, is uh, likely to have just woke up that day and said, I'm gonna murder somebody today. And, I, and I've always felt that much, much more likely when a, when a trigger is pulled to shoot to kill, that is a situation of panic or um, mistake, you know, actually thought you saw the gun or whatever it is, because like I said, because the hateful sadist has a much more clever way to get his rocks off than by getting arrested, having to turn. Oh, what do you say in the case, in this case in Minneapolis where a gun was not used, but a knee was used on the neck? What do you think uh, Officer Chauvin's intentions were? Yeah, I mean, he, he's been accused of assassinating, murdering with intent, but I imagine you, you, you believe that that certainly was not his intention. Who are you asking? You, no, I'm going. No, I, I, yeah, I never, I thought his intention, and, and believe me, I'm not, uh, mitigating the intention here. I thought his intention was um, a sadistic torture. I don't think he thought the guy was going to drop dead um, because I think he's done this many, many times before. 
And I presume from the reaction of the other three cops who just stood on watching, you know, I mean, this, this may be going a little too far, but it wouldn't shock me that they've seen him do it before because they didn't seem to react like, holy shit, what are you doing? You know, cut it out. They, they just sat there. And the, the autopsy since then have kind of bears that out, that they don't show that he was choked, but that he died from a combination of uh, a pre-existing condition and maybe intoxicants in his blood. Wait, I got, and I got to cut in now. I got to cut in with this. I got to cut in with the, the coronary report because that is such a, that's such a, the way they've written that is a bullshit thing. When you put somebody, if you put your knee on somebody's neck and put their arms behind their back, you are choking them. You're putting pressure on their chest and you're creating that. He created that fucking, um, fucking uh, heart attack. So that, you that, might be, that's you might be right. Thought. And also too, the fact, that, the fact that we've also pointed out these two cops that constantly lie and bullshit, we can't, we cannot trust their statistics. They've proven the fact in every video they put out. And, and let me ask you, let me ask you, hold on Mike. So yeah. you, th you think that um, the, in the intention of the cop there was to hold him down until he died? And this is my I'm point. This serious. Is my, I don't mean to explain this. No, I'm explaining. This is what makes black people mad. You're taking so much time to figure out his intention. And Can't already, ask me. No, 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 no. And you've already dismissed all the rioters. You've dismissed all these other thugs as being bad people. And I'm just saying that. Why would, I'm just saying, here's my point. The, the, I answered only because Dad asked me. The same kind of love you got for this dude should be the love we have for the, all the sides. We need to see all. But nobody has any. Nobody has any. Nobody has any love for this. Nobody has any love for this dude. We're trying to assess whether this was cold-blooded, premeditated murder or manslaughter. That's relevant to the punishment that, that this man is going to receive, and it's also relevant to the just overall to the question of the cops' intentions. And we. And we're happy. No, that's not the point. Here's the thing. And black, we're also black happy. People aren't afraid, but black people aren't afraid of white people intentionally going out and shooting people. We're not afraid of cops with the intention. That's never been our thought. Like, oh, black people are going out there. And it's, no, we, we just know at any moment they can kill us. That's much worse. Do you understand okay. that? It's not a pre premeditated, is actually something I can deal with because I can convince you not to kill me. It's the fucking okay. flicking off, like, ah, fuck it. I can kill him. I can move on right at all. That's what's freaking us out. I don't care about his intention. Seaton, it's Seaton. the fact that he can do it. It's a problem. Hold on. I just want to say, just for the record, because the second time it kind of happened in this conversation, oh, I'm, only answer, I'm only answering the question that was put to me about what is well, intention. Because no, no one, but no one brought up the intentions of the cops that shoot. Yeah. And I, he I, said I, he believes that they didn't intend to kill. They didn't wake up in the morning intending to kill. And I asked him if he felt no. the same way about Officer Chauvin. Yes, yeah, no. Seaton. One white man asked another white man a question, so don't get upset. The Black Lives Matter movement, which has done a lot of good things, including um, popularizing the idea that the police should wear um, body cams, which is still not the law in every state, but I think should be um, pushing for, uh, you know, outside review board so that when there's a police misconduct, misconduct allegation, it's not the police investigating themselves, which obviously is, is going to yield a biased result. Unfortunately, that's still, that's still allowed in lots of cases. So like, th these are like systematic issues um, that, that you know, are not reducible to simply bad apples. Uh, and there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of areas of, of reform that like need to happen. And I think that the, the, the anger should be channeled there. At the same time, when the, the, the conversation too often just becomes about the alleged racism of the cops in a particular instance. And I think that that is a mistake for the following reason. Every single video I've seen of 
a black person getting killed by the cops, um, whether it was, uh, you know, Tamir Rice or whether it was Alton Sterling or whether it was George Floyd. I have seen an identical video that never went viral, that never went to your social media feed of a white person getting killed the same way. Dylan Noble, Daniel Shaver killed begging for his life. Um, uh, this guy, Tony Timpa, you know, suffocated for 13 minutes. My point, my point is that there is a problem that goes so, so far beyond race. And when we make it all about the racism of the cops, when we pretend that we know for sure that he wouldn't have done that to a white person, A, we don't know that because they have done it to white people. And B, the moment, the moment we do that, it puts, it puts white people, I think a lot of white people at least, on the defensive because they feel like you're attacking them for their racism when really it could be a conversation about like, how do we reform the systemic problems with the police so that we are all safer? Can I so, jump in real quick? No, no, uh, I, I, just want, I just want to say one thing I didn't get to say and then I, then I will stay out for a good long time. You guys can all do it. I just want to make clear that, that, um, that video was the most horrible thing I've ever seen. I don't ever remember being affected by a video like that. He killed that guy regardless of what his intention was. But for some reason, even though you'd think that like the guy who got shot in the back, what's the name of the guy who got shot in the back um, in South Carolina? Oh, which one? Oh, I don't uh, Anyway, I don't whatever, know that, the cop, even though you would think that would be the most, the more horrible, like, sh no, even, even if, even if um, uh, uh, Floyd hadn't died, this, the pure sadism that's, and torture that was going on for, for whatever reason was very almost impossible to look at. And so do I think that he was torturing him with the intention of killing him? No, I don't. Just like the Vietnamese torture in the prison camps, whatever happened to John McCain, let's say, was not with the intention of killing him. It is not any kind of excuse for what went on or is in no way meant to show some sympathy for the guy who did it. I just don't think death was the, in, in his intended outcome. That's, that's all I'm saying. That, it, that guy should go to jail from what we know now. And that look, I mean, he's begging for his mother. It's, I mean, it's impossible, it's impossible to comprehend that. So I just want to make that clear. Now, go ahead. Did he lie about that in the police report? Did he lie? Do you think go ahead, you guys does anybody, go. Anybody know, does anybody know what, when somebody is handcuffed on the ground, what the standard procedure is with regard to the police. That is to say, once a guy is on the ground, face down and handcuffed, is the standard operating procedure to simply stand off and, and leave him on the ground handcuffed or put him in the car? Like, what, what, what are they supposed to do at that point? Does anybody have any insight into that? Well, regardless of what the official policy is. If I, the, I just if, want to yeah. know if, if, you know, the, it's been said that he was on the ground handcuffed, therefore there was no reason to do anything. But I'm, well, I'm just wondering if that's the case and what police procedure is. And I don't know anything about holds and what holds are authorized but, and what holds are unauthorized. I mean, I think either way, if it, head, if it that was, was not police procedure, he's in handcuffs. Yeah. No, but, it, but when they're in handcuffs, are you supposed to just back away and not touch at all? Or is, they, there, still, is there ever a reason to further immobilize a guy that's in handcuffs? No, I think it's a good question. It's a good question. I don't know the answer. If he's hurting himself, I mean, I think I'm, I'm guessing, but it, there are people situations I've seen where people are hurting themselves or they're having seizures. Uh, but 
from the video, from the whole video, I seen the one where they actually took him in cuffs and he never resisted. There was one part he fell, but I don't, that, there was no explanation of why he fell. He actually, if he had a heart situation, then fell, or if he fell and then the situation started, it was one of those kind of things. So right before we came on, I saw a new article, the police reports come out and, or that maybe it's the, um, yes, the police report came out. I don't know, did you read it, Coleman? And there's some weird facts in there that he was already in the car and they may have taken him, what we might be seeing is after he was already in the car, taken out of the car for some reason, then threw himself down on the ground. So there's some weird factual pattern there. There's clearly more that went on than we've, that we've seen so far in that video, none of which, to my understanding, would, um, def would explain or excuse why that guy had his knee on his neck for that amount of time on the ground. I, don't, I haven't read anything which would put that into doubt. But there clearly was a longer story to this than than we've seen in that video. So you can Google it, or I'll send it to you uh, afterwards. So, uh, right, so Coleman, so Coleman brought up, you know, like a really important question is, you know, how how do we know that this was racism, Seton? I think that these are questions that. I don't know for me if they're important. The fact that it happened is, and it's happened so much with no real hope of ending, it, it sounds legitimately like, like this. that's what it is. It's one of those, like we all are sitting there, all of us Americans sitting there like, God oh, sucks. And none of us know how to stop that shit. That and creates a riot. In a country of 200 million people, unfortunately, the answer to your question, I think is, it probably won't stop any more than Freak accidents will stop, or the occasional airline crash will stop. It <laughs> oh, yeah, that, yeah, you're right. That's, okay, I'm just that saying, funny won't stop. you have a country of. Funny I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, stop. slavery in a random play trash. No, but wait, wait a minute. I, I, uh, to defend Dan a little bit, if you at least the, the, the NYPD has kept stats for a long time on um, uh, unarmed civilians killed by the cops, and it has been going down steadily for decades. It's, it's way less than it was in the, in the 70s and 80s. So it's not, again, there's it's a not video that. of a dude in South Carolina putting a gun next to a dude he just shot. So these stats are proving over and over again to be iffy, at the least iffy. Okay. I, I, I mean, I think Four that, dudes watch a dude kill another dude on the ground, and those dudes rats wrote more stats. So I'm just saying that our, right, our stat motherfuckers are a little questionable. So I'm done saying that. Would you be, would you be ready? I mean, I've had a theory. I, I should have mentioned earlier, but you tell me what you think of this theory. My theory for a long time has been that if the cops day to day didn't treat black people in such a dehumanizing way, and by the way, they, they treat a lot of people in a dehumanizing way, but especially black people. If they hadn't built up all that resentment from the day to day black treatment, that the treatment that you've had, the treatment that people we know have had, that I believe when these shootings happened, Black people would say, well, you know, I know the cops. They're usually pretty fair. This guy must be a bad apple. I think that much of what we see in, in the reaction to these shootings is the resentment of all the day-to-day -day indignities that the cops dish out. That's, I've always felt that way. What do you think? I, uh, uh, I think, again, it's still much more deeper. I think it's, again, it's the laws that have been put in the black community that are, that are I mean, yes, I think it's part of that. I think it's just over and over dignity, but it's a systematic structure of black people do 
like black people do this specifically, so let's make this outlawed, which has been chronicled throughout our history. I mean, again, the, whole, the two big ones, which is the guns and the crack. <laughs> guns and cocaine. I've met so many white people who do cocaine and they're finding lots. And then <laughs> they're like yeah, fine in the sense of they're not going to jail. They just, just let go. You, you, know, you, <laughs> so, say that, you say that like someone who didn't live through New York during the crack epidemic in the 90s. I mean, I, I know oh, white people do, and black people do oh. cocaine, but crack was something different altogether. I mean, even Spike Lee did a whole movie you know, where that was a big theme in it. And it wasn't just like a bunch of people in their living room passing around cocaine. It was crack houses, lives being ruined. It was serious. It was I'm not, not saying the drugs weren't ruined, but again, you're, you're, I, mean, let's, I mean, the crack, why is the, why is the opioid crisis being handled different than the crack epidemic in Rome? Why? Those people are being treated like a motherfucker, different. No, that, on that I actually agree with you. That I agree with you. What I don't agree with you on is that, um, Treating crack different co cocaine was a racial thing, but I do think that you're well, absolutely that, right. That, that was that, written down during Clinton's. That was literally put in the uh, article. Uh, I mean, uh, Clinton's administration released that. Go ahead, go ahead. Wait, wait but, I, but I do wait, think wait. I I do believe that that if if it was black people being dying of opioids as white people have been dying, you would you would see a different reaction. I I do think that that's I I my gut tells me that you're right about that. But go ahead, Coleman. Coleman had something. To I, I was just gonna say. Um, the, the laws that penalized crack heavily were very popular amongst black people at the time. It's, it's hard to find a black politician who wasn't in favor of them, in fact. I agree. There, I'm not saying it's right. <laughs> and those, those people end up being sort of vindicated. But at the time, a lot of the push was coming from, from the black community. Um, these are the same? Okay. All right. The thing, with, the thing with crack, and this is insidious, and this is just what I think happened, is that people generalized now i knew this wasn't true just you know i had there was a guy who used to manage the um comedy cellar before your time his name was and he was from guyana and he he was the number one student in the history of guyana or something he he, he, he got the highest score in the history of the they did they give like a standardized test there and he got the highest score in the history of that test and he came over we were friends he used to manage my band then he became um um manager of the comedy cellar he was very very um uh, like a goody two shoes. And he wound up a crack addict. And his life was ruined. And, and the, the way the story played, he's still alive, we're still friends, but the way the story played out was tragic. So I'm aware that what I'm about to say is, is not true. But I think that people in their ignorance conflated crack abuse with the criminal element. And for that reason, yes. he didn't feel sorry for these people whose lives were being ruined by crack. I, I don't want to say it's racism based out of hate of race, but it was race ignorance for sure and, and a lack of curiosity maybe to be sure that thing. And, and, and the opioid thing, it's like, well, these are, these, are, like, these are wholesome white people dying of crack. Holy shit, let's set up, let's set up a flag, you know? So- Whole different world now. Yeah, yeah, so I, so I actually really, truly, deeply agree with you about that. So, so we conflate that. We have cops, we have the drug policies, we have the crazy economic thing, and just crazy pressure, but I don't want to get in a rant, but I'm just saying that like, you know, that's why people go crazy and riot because it's just a lot of shit. And it's like, how do you start? <laughs> and Noam, when you were talking earlier about like the motivations of this particular police officer, whether he was intending to murder the man or whether he was simply intending to sadistically torture the man, like those are both, we agree, I think we all agree, those are both bad motivations. And whether the person is black or white, we don't want the police treating anybody 
like that. Of course, our country has systemic racism that makes many problems worse for black people that come out differently for white people. But in this, in this case in particular, like, aren't there laws that say, like, if you kill someone in the commission of a crime, like if you're committing a bank robbery, even if you're the getaway driver in certain places, if somebody kills somebody on the inside, you can go to jail for murder, even if you didn't do it. Now, this man, even if he Felony wasn't murder, intending yeah. to murder this guy, he was clearly breaking the law, violating this person's rights, assaulting no. this person. Mike, there, there, is a, there, is a, there, is a, there is a murder charge which fits this, it's like reckless homicide or there, there is a, when you do something which is so reckless that you should have known somebody could be killed, there, there is a charge of murder. It's not a life sentence charge, it's like a 15 year charge or whatever it is, but yeah, that's absolutely a, a murder charge. That You're referring to the felony murder rule, but it's, it's a similar philosophy in a way, yeah. Oh, yes. Um, so I'm just saying that the in this particular case, like it doesn't matter to me so much. I think like Seton was saying, like, was he intending to murder the man or was he only intending to sadistically torture the man? Like those are so yeah. close that I, I, I completely. You know Mike, can, can, I, can I say something? And maybe after I say it, we'll all notice it. There is always tendency to say it doesn't really matter, blah, 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 blah. But I don't think that's right. I think everything does matter. It's important to get all the little details right. They come to bear in ways that you couldn't predict and they come to bear in future ways. It's not good to build up a pattern of events which are portrayed to be something which they weren't quite. And then on the sixth event, everybody reacts as if it's the sixth time it's happened. When actually, if you take a microscope to the previous times, well, each one had its own thing to it. So I'm not saying that it matters in the sense of he's less guilty or less uh, atrocious or, you know, less of a Nazi. But I, I do bristle at the idea that trying to just get the details right for the sake of getting the details right is somehow an insight into somebody's point of view on something. I don't care which way it comes out. Every detail should not be glossed over. We should get every detail right. Well, I agree. As long as we don't harp on the details and get on a sidetrack to actually what's important. That's all I agree. So where do we go from here? So, so I, time enough, I think we have time enough to parse all the details. It, it's some, it, it, I think if you're intellectually curious, if nothing else, you, you want to slice and dice the details. Um, Dan, I can I jump in and say I disagree that we have time to parse all the details infinitely. <laughs> so you sincerely must choose how much time in our limited lives we spend on in, in a given conversation, in a given day. Like, where do you start? How much time do you allot? And what details are you focusing on at the expense of what details you're not? Can I say that I love Mike Kaplan because he is a he he is his own dude. All right, There's, I don't know another guy like him, and and he's very um very pleasant too. All right, so listen, uh, no, I mean that. Thank um, you, I I appreciate it. Um, the uh, he's also second, I thought he could say something nice about me, but anyway, hold on. Uh, so the, going back to the statistics for a second, and then maybe to go. I don't from think this, anybody should be, by the way, penalized for asking a question, because I like, a lot of people merely ask questions and get. Um, but Dan, I'm not, I'm not penalizing you. I'm okay. just doing as okay. Noam said, Guys, I want to be precise. I'm not okay, enough, 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 I posed enough. the question, did he, did yeah. he have an intention to kill and was castigated? Okay. I think all questions are valid questions. I want, I want to get back to the statistics and I want to use that as a way to getting into uh, what is the answer here to heal race relations? 
Um, the thing about- We should have started with that. <laughs> the, thing, the thing about the statistics, which is so uh, uh, frustrating and confounding is that if those statistics are true, and, you know, and there's quite a few inquiries have come back with these um, uh, un, unintuitive or not, uh, counterintuitive results, that would do more than anything one would think to calming people down. What, what, could, what could be more calming than to find out, oh shit, it's, it's really not as bad as we thought. So I think it's urgent that we get to the bottom of those statistics because if it turns out that we have a police problem, more of a police problem and less, less of a racial police problem, that would be quite important to know and quite unifying. And I don't no, know no, how- Can we... I apologize to you? I gotta apologize. I got I frustrated with you earlier. Yeah. And now I have to accept that, yeah, okay. You're just being paid. You, let me point out, I know you're a good person, but if I did not know you, and you said the sentence, we need more evidence, I as a black man like, well, what else do you need exactly to show that the cops are, are after us? Yeah, well, just to be just to be clear, I never said we need more evidence, but as a, as oh, okay. a re no, but as a person who reads and I mean this New York Times thing, this was the front page of one of the sections of the Sunday Times, and and you you read these things, or mm -hmm. you see it on NPR, and you say, well, I mean you have two options. You can say, oh, that's bullshit, you know, don't give me that shit. And then you say, well, it's mm -hmm. the Times and it's NPR, and you say, uh oh, mm -hmm. what if this is true? What does that mean? I, I either have to refute it, or mm -hmm. I have to integrate it into my thinking and what most people do is just pretend it didn't happen okay can i say something when you're response. done can i say yeah. something <laughs> i did instruct periel early on that we have a full panel tonight and that uh you instructed me <laughs> uh, i um, just said that especially if i don't see the video it's going to be hard distinguishing who's who so right. we don't want too many people talking but go ahead um and really, Noam had said that, you know, he asked me to send him things and in response, I sent him poetry, which um, I, you know, I take great issue with because first of all, um, I don't believe that James Baldwin would have considered himself a poet. But um, in addition- the James Baldwin thing, I've read James Baldwin, go ahead. In addition to that, um, you, you, there's, so there are the statistics which you say that, or, you know, to me, you said, oh, I don't care about those things and therefore, I'm not serious, or if one doesn't care about those things, then they're not serious. Um, and so I think I that- that's a Periel. I said, if, if you're not ready to deal with, go ahead. So, go ahead, sorry. so I think that that's one thing. There are the numbers, okay? And I never said that those aren't important, but I think that what is equally as important um, is my distinct understanding is that there is a black experience in this country that has been going on for decades longer than that, of course. Centuries. That centuries, thank you. Um, that it's not safe in many situations to be black in this country. And the perception of that is real and the experience of that is real. And I think that that's- What do you mean it's not safe? What do you mean it's not safe? I, I'm, I'm not being flippant. What Wait a minute. Wait, can I say something? Can I say something? Sure. I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But I think part, part of our job as reflective people 
who don't simply obey their first instinctive reaction to an issue is to say, does my fear match up with reality? And in order to do that, you have to look at the numbers. If you are afraid of plane crashes, which a lot of people are, and then you look at how likely you are to die of a plane crash, that can actually have an effect on how fearful you are. Like you should be much more fearful um, uh, driving in a car. That's like, you know, the, that, I guess it's sort enough. of common knowledge. Enough, here's, another, here's another example. That's even a uh, even better example. Jihadist terrorism. A lot of people are, you know, more on the American right have made claims about how afraid they are of jihadist terror or, or even better in Europe when, when the bombs were going off in France in 2015. And if you actually look at how likely you are to be killed by a jihadist, it's very, very low. And it matters that we don't exaggerate those risks because A, you make people paranoid when, they're sh when, when they should not be. And the, then the reaction to it becomes its own issue to deal with. Mm. So, Periel, Periel, let me say, so the, thing, the reason I asked you about unsafe, and I don't, I don't want to, I really don't want to bring up this issue, but I don't see any way to, to, to not bring it up in, in, in at least in a... Well, I can answer way. you. Wait, let, let, me, let, me, let me just say what I want to say. The, the, like, 25 people, black guys were shot in Chicago, I think one weekend, even during the pandemic. It is extremely, um, it's 10 times or something more, un or eight times more unsafe to be black in America than white. But unfortunately and tragically, it is not because of the treatment by whites. And um, so when you want to bring up that black people feel unsafe in America, I, I wanted to know what you, you mean, feel unsafe when they walk down the street and they see white people or feel unsafe uh, because they're likely because they live in in violent neighborhoods. Like, what do what do you mean? I'm talking specific. I'm talking specifically about white people. Well, that's that's where the numbers are crucial because okay. you know Again. there's there's, there's okay. a kidnapping in Iowa, and now my wife won't let the kids walk to the bus stop. This is actually true. She heard some story about some kids that got picked up waiting for the school bus in Iowa. She will not let our kids go to the take the school bus. And the only argument I can make to her is, sweetheart, I know you hear these stories on the news, but here's the actual data. It's just that every story gets on, on, uh, gets a headline. No, um, I, I, okay. I, I mean, what, what else can I say to her other than that? No, I, I really feel like your kids should not be going to school during a pandemic. Uh, I think you should be keeping them inside. And I do just want to say one, one nice thing to you, uh, for sure. I, I'm very grateful to be here in this conversation. I always am. And uh, I'm on, I, I, I'm certainly aligned with Periel and her thinking a lot of the time. And also, it was funny that you said she sent you poetry. That was a very funny thing. Uh, you've, it certainly rubbed off hanging out with a lot of comedians. And Dan Natterman, what you said was very funny as well when you were like, Periel, don't speak because we won't be able to tell whose voice is whose. Periel's voice <laughs> is the most different than, she should be the only one speaking. By the way, if you listen to this at home, Periel is black. I can say that about oh, yeah. <laughs> Mike, that's not a good point. That's a great point. <laughs> Periel's voice is, is the most distinct. Maybe I just enjoy uh, insulting her and, and I need to look within. But, Seton, uh, oh, you want to say something? Yeah. Seton, if you could be a dictator of America for Oof. 10 years, okay. dictator, okay. And, you, and the only thing you wanted to do was at the end of that 10 years, you wanted uh, to, to fix the race problem in America. 
and you do it in a moral and decent way, what would you do? Where would you start? What would you actually I'd remove the police department, the justice system, the school system. I'd make universal health care. Um, I'd teach kids how to actually make money. Uh, and I'd actually figure out a new way of uh, justice. That's it. So let's start with the first one. You'd, you'd get, we'd have no police. I had to figure out, the, I don't know how to transition to that point, but no, I don't think, I don't think, like I said, I don't think justice is a valid form of actually a human society. I think it's a, a flawed form. I think it's, uh, I think there's a point. There's actually, there's been evidence of smaller tribes. There's one tribe, oh, I want to say South America or Africa, I apologize, but it was one where, when there was, when one uh, villager fucked up, did something horrible, all the villagers would put, put him in the middle and every villager would sit down and tell him one good thing about him before, you know, so get him to just fucking change his mind. All we do now is when somebody fucks up, we just tell them how horrible they are, then we throw them in a cage, and then we curse at them, and then we treat them like shit, and we expect them to come back to society and to be good people. So no, I just think, I think justice is actually a flawed premise. And that's why right now, this whole, that's one whole idea about, of course the cops try to create justice on black people, but then black people uh, want more justice to get these riots, and now other black people are mad at those black people, and there's just nothing, everybody's looking for justice, and nobody's ever gonna be satisfied. So. I don't like justice. Have you guys, are you familiar with, uh, I think it's restorative justice. I remember watching uh, Wyatt Cenac's show on HBO, uh, Problem yes. Areas, and it's amazing. He covers like in the first season, it's all about, you know, racial injustice and every episode from a different angle. And there was one particular episode where he, uh, they sat down with an older couple whose child, whose daughter had been killed by uh, her boyfriend or her ex-boyfriend who had been maybe drunk, angry, whatever it was. And he had been sentenced to, I think, what would have been 40 years in jail. And then they, through a program of restorative justice, they sat down with him. They don't want him, like, they know that he is sorry. They know that, like, it doesn't bring their daughter back. And so they sat down with him and had, like, these, you know, sort of therapeutic sessions wherein, like, that he was then, I think, now only in jail for 20 years because, and they all, the parents of the dead woman were like, came out of this feeling, you know, happier as much as they could uh, with being able to connect with this person. So in situations where that is possible, like so many people whose, whose children have been killed, like don't want the death penalty, even for the person that killed their their loved one because they don't want the they don't want violence to beget violence they don't want the grief to beget more grief so i mean certainly i don't know how we get to no prisons oh, no. no mass incarceration no police but it's certainly incremental it's not like make them disappear immediately but uh definitely one step at a time Call one me. more thing uh, Mike. Uh, one uh, more uh, thing carpet on that there was, i don't know if y'all read outliers i'm sure everybody in the circle has read outliers but there was like i was just reading that chapter about the hatfields and the mccoys about there was a whole trend of white people killing each other, white people all over this justice stuff. So I just also, I just want to also harp on the point of like black people killing black people. Yeah, but white people kill each other for years much more. So that, that's just the cultural, the, the cultural guns in our country, the bigger problem. But again, justice is the main course. Oh, uh, I was just, just going to say, I think, I think we need the police. Um, but I think we conflate police and prisons. Those are two different things. Uh, we can have a, a, a robust and well-trained and, you know, a lot, a lot of police, you know, part of the reason they can be so awful is because um, they're overworked. Like they, there are not enough of them to police a certain neighborhood. So they're, they're not sleeping enough. And even, even the better half of cops, uh, you know, on, on overwork can, can sort of mess up. So like having police is one thing. Prison is a different thing. We over, we, we, our sentences are, are longer than, you know, the vast majority of European countries. And it does very little to, to deter crime. 
Um, it, it doesn't make sense, you know, especially because a lot of a lot of people who commit crime in their 20s, by the time they're 40, they're a completely different person. They have less testosterone. They're just like a very different person. And yet we have this thing where your, you know, your, your third crime can, can get you a longer sentence when you're a, a, much less of a danger to society in your 40s and 50s. So there's all kinds of, and, and that's been like pretty, pretty known in criminology for a long time. It's just a matter of, you know, politicians always being able to win on these tough on crime policies, which is, which is a, a very big problem, but different than getting rid of the police. I don't think that would work. That would just create chaos. Coleman, I'm not saying how would, do how would you fix, who would dictator Coleman? What would dictator, huh? dictator Hughes, how would you fix race relations in America? Um, I, I couldn't fix race relations in America, but what I would do is, is I would legalize weed, um, to, to, so, so that cop, you know, because it just creates so, so many problems. I would decriminalize pr probably all drugs unless I got a really compelling argument for, for with one of the more dangerous ones why it should remain criminal. Um, I would, I would, you know, mandate police body cams. I would uh, try to create independent outside review boards, not like civilian review boards where it's like Joe Schmo telling a telling a cop with 2020 hindsight what he should have done but like experts that have no um like ties to the police um adjudicating them that are independent so and um i mean that that's what th those are the immediate things that i would do on on the police issue specifically Ooh, the fire department they they would be uh they're not in the police and they would be very i think measured and objective. Also, maybe we have it be like prison be like the Israeli military, like everybody goes to prison from 18 to a couple years later, and then they come out when they're less likely to offend. You know, like everyone should have a service job, everyone should go to prison, and then we'd make prison a little nicer. Um, I say as a joke. I mean, also, sincerely, uh, bail reform would be great because I think bail mostly doesn't do much. Like most people show up when they've like most hardly anybody's jumping bail like the same like hardly anyone's like doing voter fraud like all the things the fears are overblown and it used to just be like the sheriff arrests you you know long ago and then they'd be like all right now come back on this day and most people would and then like so many innocent people so many poor people so many you know people not yet proven guilty and who might never be proven guilty because they're not guilty will you know rot will just like wait in jail some of them die in jail because they can't afford you know the however many even a small amount of money so uh i think uh, i would i would add, i know i wasn't asked to be a dictator and i don't want to be but uh i would i would dictate bail reform as well how about we turn the question to noam noam if 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 you uh were the dictator um i don't i don't know that that top down much can be done. I mean, all the all the um, things that Coleman said in terms of laws, I I would agree, and, and doing body cams especially. But you know, Dan, I, I said I think I said that about body cam ten years ago. Um, I think that uh, Coleman and I read this article recently, but I kind of had felt the same way that that intermarriage and inter interracial encouraging the races to mix more and more would be a really really a really, really good thing as we come out of it on the other end to, to well, that's basically you're admitting defeat. You're admitting that well, we admitting, cannot live together unless we're all the same. Admitting that there is a part of human nature which is never gonna go away, which which sees the world as us versus them. 
and we all we all notice it in ourselves and and it's that's never going to go away so maybe that would solve it or maybe we just people would just divide on other things but at least if they divide on other things it's not quite as ugly as race i get i would i would try to um I mean, you see this both in the white community and the black community, although right now I think it's having a more harmful effect in the black community. I would try to get um, fewer single parent homes. I would try to see what can be done. We know that a child of a family where the mother and father are together and have, been, and have stayed married, I mean, Coleman might know the stat by heart, but it's a huge difference in their um, prospects for success in life than one who did and, and that at some point is a decision that somebody makes and I'll, I'll be able to handle it or whatever it is. I have that close to me in my own family, but- um, You realize, Noam, the, the, the extension of what you're saying is the complete destruction of certain communities that enjoy being those communities, the Jewish community, many of them. Yes, 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 I, I, I think, you know, that's fine. That, that's what America, if you want, if you want, if, you, if it means that much to you, you don't, you, don't, you don't have to stay in America. I mean, nobody's gonna force you, but, uh, but that's the thing. And, and finally, but do you agree? Do you agree, Dome, that like the crack, the crack, the drug laws is actually one that took the black men out of the home from the first place? <laughs> so I, I, you know, I don't know the, the answer to that. Call here's the thing. Here's the thing. That that's a true thing. People think they can solve mass incarceration by legalizing drugs. They can't. John John Pfaff wrote a great book about this. You just look at the numbers of people in prison. Ask how many of them are there for homicide, aggravated assault you know, drugs, the people that are there for only drug crimes, it's less than less than one in five people in, in prisons in America. You could release them all and we would still have probably the highest incarceration rate in the world. How, so, are those are those homicides drug related though? How many of those homicides are not drug related? That's a good question. I mean, so, some of those, a lot, some of the homicide is enabled by the fact that drugs are illegal to begin with. So that no, I just, know, I just know a person who shot a dude over a weed deal. So I'm just saying, like, people are crazy. <laughs> so uh, sure. uh, not that I'm defending anybody, but I'm just saying. Also, that, uh, uh, listen, Col hey, Coleman. I, I, I didn't get my last deal, but I want to say, oh, my bad. I have kids now, and I've said this before, and I've said to my wife, like, I can't even imagine. It takes up all our time, my wife and, and me together, and we have means, and we live in a very safe neighborhood where we don't really worry about the influences and their peers and all that stuff. And still, I know if I didn't devote, if I didn't see parenthood as basically a full-time job, my kids would be sacrificed. They, they would not do their homework. They wouldn't amount to anything. They would, they, and, I, and so, you know, I can't even imagine what it must be like to be a, an unwed black woman in a poor neighborhood where the peers and the, the neighborhoods are violent, whatever it is, we are, we are, these kids are, are being relegated to hopelessness, hopelessness. And um, it's like my, my grandfather, when I was a little boy, I went to Israel with my, my father to visit my grandfather. And at that time in Israel, uh, there was a lot of uh, people dying in car accidents in Tel Aviv. And my grandfather said to my father, says, you know, Menachem, in Israel, Jewish life is very, very precious, but only when it's threatened by Arabs. And, th and, that, and that is very much of human nature, meaning that, yes, we, we, the, it's very important and very ugly to see racism, especially racism that leads to death. But we also have to worry about the, the car accidents that are happening within the community, which I'm, I'm referring to the violence within the community, the, the children growing up without hope, even if they never saw a white person. 
And, um, you know, these are things that are not easy for a white guy to say, and I'll, and I'll add to it that I can't imagine how the crime rate doesn't drive a resentment with the police, even if the police were angels. If, if you have like in New York where 98.6% of shootings are in the non-white community, according to the FBI statistics, 98.6, you're gonna have cops constantly interacting suspiciously with the, the community of color, constantly, every day, over and over, until they can't fucking take it anymore because most of them are innocent. 90, 99% of them are innocent. But this is an untenable situation to have crime stats like that. And no matter how good the cops are, just the interactions alone are going to make people boil over. I'm, I'm, I worry. So I, I argue that they would, the situation wouldn't boil over if they didn't have as many laws. And I'm not just referring to just, no, you're probably uh, right. I'm not just referring to drug laws. Let's talk about social distancing. It's in the paper now, the difference in the social distancing execution alone. I saw that video, there was a dude thrown on the ground, hanging out while other white people were jogging. So that, uh, that uh, you're gonna like me now. I, I said 25 years ago when they tried, when they want, when they passed a seatbelt law. I oh, said, yeah. it's, it's just oh. gonna give cops another excuse to pull black people over. Yes. I, more I, people think that more laws creates a better society and more yeah. laws creates just more criminals. That is the thing. More no, laws um, does not create more safety. Yeah. No, may I say, here is where I agree with you. Uh, I like the idea of the two-parent household. In fact, I like it so much, I think mandatory polyamory, mandatory triads, <laughs> at least nice. quads. Sincerely, people, children being raised in those households, I, I would love to see the data on when there's more than two parents available, uh, how much that helps the children. Sincerely, of course, uh, I'm into data for you. Uh, I also like <laughs> Coleman, when you talked about how police are overworked, certainly decriminalizing weed, decriminalizing drugs, prostitution, sex work, all of these things will give police fewer, like if they have fewer laws, fewer crimes, fewer things to look for, then they can hopefully get more rest and not have to worry. I will fix the race problem. I will fix the race problem. I forgot. I've said this many times and I've totally forgot it. There should be mandatory two years public service, not necessarily military, but with it, you know, a la a draft where yeah. all Americans are thrown in together black, white, Asian, whatever it is, and get to know each other and get to build real relationships with people other than themselves, I believe. Because one of the, one of the problems with even discussing this stuff often is that the people discussing it have no common love for each other. They just don't. Mm. And, and um, black people need to get to know white people just as much as white people need to get to know black people and understand that I teased Mike, but I do feel that way. That's not just that they're just not something you read about in the papers and in books, you know? And I do notice that a lot of really, really woke people, they actually have very few close relationships with anybody that they're fighting for. They, they don't really have deep relationships with black friends and stuff. Do you have data I, on that, Noam? No, I, I said I noticed. I will notice that. I will say it's a lot easier in America to not talk to a black person than it is to not know about white people. I know a lot more black people who know white people just as a rule. We got to know where y'all are at at all times. And white people will be like, are there black people in the room? So that's that's a little bit of a difference there. Coleman Col yeah, nodded no at national service and he also wanted to say something. Go ahead. Uh, I just don't, I, I hate the idea that I, I wouldn't get to choose how to spend two years of my life, but. Yeah. Um, 
I said yeah, I was, no. I'm a dictator, so that's why I do. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of people in prison who don't get to decide uh, <laughs> as well what they do with a few years of their life. That's not the same thing because they, they committed a crime to get there. Not Some everyone in prison. He's a comedian. <laughs> Some, so yeah, exactly. Some of them did. Some <laughs> of them had a gun thrown on by a cop. It's true. Not everything that I say is backed by data as well. <laughs> so go ahead, Coleman. Do you want to say something I was, else? Me? I was going to say, you know, this you said, you know, with the overworked police officers, we take them off of these petty drug cases that are literally solving nothing. And they would have time to actually focus on their jobs. And one of the, one of their most important jobs is, is solving homicides and violent crimes. And there are places in this country where the, the majority of homicides go unsolved. And by the majority, I mean, like in, in the, the worst, most dangerous neighborhoods in Chicago, there are estimates sometimes of over 90% of murders going unsolved. So quick question. So basically, if there were no police, they would solve about the same number of crimes as with the police. No, there'd be more yeah. crimes. Uh, and what percent, of, what percent of those homicides are of, of black people? Almost 100. Almost 100%. Yeah, um, let's be clear. Bunch of white people down around the country, too. Let's not, let's not lie. Let's not just, we just don't talk about it very much, but they're shooting well, each other constantly, too. Yes, but... Okay, so if you if you look at it, the look at what is the number one cause of death for black men. Let's see, I'm what am I? Twenty four. Black men, twenty four. Number one cause of death according to the CDC is homicide. Yes. That is not true. That is not true of of white men, Hispanic men. In fact, it's it's worse than that because the 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 number one cause of death for black men in their twenties. Um, American black men kills American black men kills more than numbers two through 10 on that same list. So it's, it's just like, it's, it's completely focused on this one demographic. It's even an age-based thing. Like it's yeah. you know, 15 to early thirties with a focus on the twenties. And that- I hated that is, being 24, nigga, I ain't gonna lie to you. I hated it. I hated every second of it. I hated how cops fucked with me. I remember one time, this random story, random cop story since we're just hanging out. I remember one time I was coming from work. It was about two in the morning. I walked right outside the hotel. I was working at the hotel. I had my hoodie on. I remember this plain clothes, plain clothes cop car pulled out. Five dudes jumped out of this car and fucking grabbed me. And they put my head off. And they were like, oh, it's not you. And they were like, get a haircut. And just kind of pushed me and told me to move on. I know it's not a horrible police story. It's just one of those, eh, it happens all the time. I just got to get used to it. No, it's Don't bury the lead, I though. Think, I think that's serious. That's exactly my point. I, I think that's very serious. Because yeah. for that, for those few minutes, whatever it is, your your entire body, all, all your vital signs are on are at, at maximum. Yes, and and, and, and it's angering. And then, and, go, ahead. go ahead. I was just saying, and when the and and it, these neighborhoods where ninety percent of murders are going unsolved, the cops even when the cops are trying to do their jobs and are doing it well, if you have a, a neighborhood that's been over policed on petty drug crime and situations where people's hair, you know, hair has been grabbed and the detective comes asking questions, you have no reason to believe that these people really care about you, that they're, that they're, that they have your best interests at heart, that when they say they're going to put you in witness protection and protect you, that they're actually going to make good on that promise. And that all contributes to why the, the crime rate is so high in some of these places. What about having the police live in the communities? Is there any like data on that? Um, I don't know that I've seen data on that, but anecdotally, yeah, like the, 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 the best detectives are the, are the ones that know people by name, know business owners by name, are respected and trusted. They know who to talk to. They have um, confidential informants. Oh, what do you think about increasing, making an effort to increase 
a black presence in the police force? Do you think that's a solution? Well, they tried that in the 40s, so. Yeah, yeah, they mean, a lot of places have done that already, yeah, in the 60s too. Um, I don't know, I mean, I haven't seen so much evidence that black cops are any different than white cops. Yeah, but, but, they, but the um, incidents are less hard to watch. <laughs> I mean, there's that whole oh, rule. There's a, there, there's a rule, though. The whole black, every every rap song back in the early nineties was like, "Yo, black cops are much worse than white cops." Right, so but but if this, if 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 uh, Floyd was had been, had his uh, head under the knee of a black cop, it would have been white. It probably would be in jail already because they already got that other black cop in jail. Right. No, but I would think there have been riots? I think that's a that's a really interesting question to ask because I, I don't know the answer to that, but it does seem like. Because, because of the way we think about race, the, the optics are everything in these cases. You see a white cop do the same thing to a white person and it's barbaric and it hits you hard, but there's some extra little judge that it actually doesn't have, even if it's just as cruel. Yeah, if, if, I, saw, if I saw a gang of um, any color, Asians, blacks, whatever it is, beating up a Jewish guy with a yarmulke on, I can't help, I, I, would, I would try to, um, control myself and not jump to conclusions. But viscerally, you say those, those fucking Asians are beating up the Jew, right? But if I saw a bunch of Jews beating up one of their own, it's a totally different thing that I'm seeing. It's still, it's not, I mean, it's, 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 it's really night and day. It's completely different. And, and we are all um, slaves to that visceral reaction within us. I don't know how you can train it out of us. No, yeah. you said we're we're Second all therapy. slaves. Okay, uh, <laughs> we're all slaves. And that was a weird choice of words. But I will say though, back to the psychotherapy shit. We are uh, as a nation, we need to have a revolution about our how we handle our minds. We don't do religion no more. So and, and we don't really accept therapy. Half of us do, half of us don't. There needs to be a revolution on that because the traumas, the trauma triggers that we're talking about now are so apparent. We um, you know, we're, we're <laughs> you know, like yeah, like you, like you said, no, I'm like we need to figure out a way to solve that problem. It's definitely a mental problem. Seton, can I ask you a question? It's going Absolutely. to sound important, uh, but it's not going to be. I'm just going to be joking. Uh, just uh, in that situation, I'm so sorry that you, you've experienced, you know, the violence and the fear that you have, but uh, did, did you get a haircut? That's my question. Yeah, man, I did. Okay, thank I, I you. Employed a, I employed a Negro. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> come over. And uh, yeah, man, I actually want this. I kind of want my barber to come to my house. I'm sick of going to barbershop. <laughs> I mean, I think also what, what we need, I think what you said about therapy, what you said about, you know, addressing like not only historical trauma, but like, you know, life in our lifetime, the things, yeah. the way that we are socialized as as humans, but also certainly as men, like the way that men are socialized in our society is like the people who are like, I don't like therapy, I would say, I don't have the data, but my guess is that more of them will skew male. Like the idea of, you know, yeah, older, yeah. older men, like, I don't, I don't know what the numbers are. Like certainly more, more people that I know are saying things like you are like, therapy is good. Addressing trauma is good. And talking about, you know, talking about your feelings uh, is a better way of addressing your anger than being violent, which is what a lot of people do the reverse of. Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. I, I have a Zoom, Zoom show uh, in 15 minutes, but um, well, we're, we're, you all we're, don't need me. I don't know if we're wrapping things up or... Uh, we have to. We're way over time. Um, uh, anybody else have any final thoughts they want to share, hopes, dreams. Nice to see you, Coleman. Nice to see you, man. Great to see you too, Seton. 
I would like for uh, the new dictatorship of America to be a team of Coleman and Seton and Periel. That's what I want in charge. Mm-hmm. if you will. Um, thank you, Mike. I, I appreciate <laughs> that vote of confidence. Can we share Mike and Seton's new album information? Uh, uh, do we have? Yes, of course we can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I have it here. So this is. Um, Oh, they don't want to get that off there. This is uh, Seton Smith's new album, the com- comedy, the lockdown special. Uh, yeah. Available where? YouTube.com. Seton Smith. Available YouTube.com. Mike Kaplan, AKA, that's a dove on his head. Oh, yeah. Peace sign. <laughs> and uh, that, but you would, what a shock that this would be woke comedy. Um, so those are two. And where's yours available, Mike? Uh, you can download on iTunes. You can stream it wherever you stream albums. You're listening to this. I believe if you search for my name and AKA, you will find it. And don't and forget I, to read I, all of Coleman Hughes's articles at uh, City Journal. Is it Coleman? Yes. Well, are you no longer writing for Quillette? No, no longer. You haven't told me anything. We're friends, aren't we? You never <laughs> mentioned it to me. And, and Noam, what do you have against birds? Uh, nothing. What? what uh, um... Also, Coleman, I, I, you tell me about that privately. Coleman has a podcast as well, Conversations with Coleman. Conversations with Coleman. And um, anything, I, I kind of wish, I wish we were all hanging out because I don't really want this to end, but we, but we have to end. Well, we'll see each other again in person. Don't worry, man. Racism is not going in. We can talk again. Well, I believe, <laughs> I think that racism, yeah, there's, there's no cure for it. It has to be managed like uh, diabetes. But um, that's well, what I, 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 I think. <laughs> I, I have to say that um, I think the overwhelming majority of of people of every color, um, even if they have certain views, uh, chauvinistic views about their people, I don't want my son to marry one of whatever it is, are abhor racial violence like this. I, I think it's, it's very it's very little constituency in 2020 for wanting to see anybody hurt beaten up, um, uh, horribly mistreated based on their race. And, I, and it, it pains me that this, this is becoming kind of the rap on America. I think it's deeply unfair without, without regard to the, the, the problems within the police department. I think America is by no means a collection of mostly bad people. I really don't. I think if you don't address, I mean, I think the lack of addressing them after slavery this whole time. I mean, I think I'm saying apology, just apologizing is not the solution. I think there's a more of a systematic structure thing. And that's why the bad, I think, I don't know. I think the bad reputation is- Well, then, then, then Dictator Smith ought to, have, ought to have some better suggestions because that's, that was my what question. How, how do you address it? I was in a certain way ca- calling that issue. Like, okay, you would say we should address it. We, we wasted our time. We haven't done it. Like, okay, what would you do? It's not, the, the answers are not that apparent. That's yes. all I'm saying. Yeah. Get, eliminate all the bullshit laws that are ticky tack laws that are putting black people in the position they are, which I've said a thousand times and it's okay. been going on. Fair I, and most you, most of the violence is coming from problem. men, so let's just put women in charge of everything, and I think let's try that for a while. That's all not right, a bad right. idea. Good call. Good call. Okay, also you can send comments and suggestions to podcast at comedyseller.com. Tell us what you like, what you don't like about the podcast and who you might want to see on, who, who you might want to see back. Do you want to see Mike Kaplan back on? <laughs> Well, we can't read your mind. So uh, we'll see you next time. We have 
Howie Mandel will be with us, I believe, on the next show. Is that right, Perio? Um, I think there's a briefcase, and you get to decide whether you want Howie Mandel or a different person. Howie Mandel will be a little bit less charged. But hopefully and um, follow us on at live from the table on Instagram. All right, everybody. See you next time. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Oops.